I don't think Wizards of the Coast has done too good of a job with their art cover all the time. I mean, the Dungeon Master's Guide is just like a 3D lich, you know? The Player's Handbook is, I don't know, like a giant? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. What's new, everybody? Uh, anything exciting? Let's Tell me what's going on. It's Rodeo Weekend in Sheridan, Wyoming. Yeah, that's a, enough excitement for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, it really uh-huh. is. Did you get many calls this weekend? Me, personally, n- no. Um, thankfully, it's been pretty quiet. However, we the fire department was down uh, on Main Street at 6 o'clock this morning and yesterday morning hosing down the streets. <laughs> and uh, one of our guys is a dispatcher, and he was telling me it was pretty nasty. Was he it? said that uh, like everybody well, I shouldn't say he was telling me it was pretty nasty. He said it was pretty busy. A lot of people arrested, um, drunken, disorderly, drunk driving, things like that. Oh, really? And um, the streets were disgusting. I mean, I tell you what, when you get human beings out there just being jackasses, the amount of puke and piss and everything else that you find like in the corners i would wager there is not a storefront in sheridan that hasn't been pissed on because of rodeo yeah it it seemed like the general vibe was uh let's get caught up for last year and the year before type situation uh normally we have a pretty good crowd as far as like hey winter's done and we can do stuff and everybody's got cabin fever and now all of a sudden it was tenfold so yeah it was a good week to hide out i uh i uh had to work, and that was a very long day, but got to watch some World First Race for uh, World of Warcraft and did a little bit of raiding, and that's that's kind of been Wait, my weekend. You did some raiding at work? No, 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 no. That's, that, that's been my weekend, getting getting caught up, doing some progress. Last night was progress night, and uh, the new fights are fun in WoW, which is interesting. Huh? I have a lot of negative to say about the actual volume of content, but... Uh, some of the stuff's been the more more fun and technical fights I've I've seen. Like the normal stuff feels like heroic, the heroic stuff feels like mythic, and I am even more impressed with the mythic guilds pulling off what they do. So that part of their game they have on lockdown. So they could work on some other stuff. Nice. Um, next Friday is Diablo three new season, um, and I am believe that very excited because it's a Diablo two inspired theme. So ethereal mm-hmm. weapons are coming from Diablo 2, which back in the day, ethereal weapons were amazingly wonderful, teal blue, powerful items that you could not repair. And so yeah. eventually they just faded away. So what they're doing for this season in honor of Diablo uh, 3 or Diablo 2 remastered, re-release, whatever it is, uh, they're bringing back ethereals. Now, you these here you can repair, um, but at the end of the season, they disappear. So you will never be able to take them back oh. to the live game. So it is a temporary thing. And if you, um, the equivalent of like one of these weapons is somewhere around uh, 10 to 15 tiers of play once you get one. So if you're doing 100s just by getting this weapon, you're going to do 110s. Uh, and that's how obscenely powerful they wow. are. They've got like, uh, like I think like the 200 Barbarian one says something like increases the damage of all Barbarian skills by 300%. Uh, and then it will have random weapon affix on it. So if you've played like the, the Wave of Light Monk and you get the one that drops it there and then it gets a passive ability as well like the Fire Hellfire Amulet. Uh, so you get a passive ability for free and you get this uh, weapon as well. So they are a little bit less uh, they're, they're more common to drop than 
ancient primals. So you've got about a 1 in 100 chance for these things to drop. And then the big thing of the season is there's three for each class. If you collect all 21 of them across the board, you unlock the, uh, you unlock the transmog for your account forever. And this will be the only chance you get to do it. So some, some hype going around that, at least people coming back to, to check it out. Uh, and then I think the next week, like Diablo 2 Remastered comes out. So I'll be curious to see how many people play that one there. So a little bit of, a little bit of digital news. I think New, New World is coming out from Amazon end of the month they're going into closed beta uh, so we'll watch that one to see if it gets any more traction than crowfall did um yeah that was digital stuff i, I noticed that gamestop had done something um they put out a funko a pop funko for diablo 2 uh the dark or the crimson wonder or something like that i can't remember exactly what it was called but i you know it's one of those things where i saw it and this is like it's been more than a month ago and and i saw it and i thought oh fuck i gotta have that <laughs> So I, th- I think it cost me like maybe $20. And I was like, you know what? It- it's worth throwing in this office with all the other crap that I have in here that just makes me feel good because it's all gaming and stuff related and I like it. So I, I had to get it. I I I don't know what it is. I really enjoyed Diablo. Like the game may not be perfect and stuff like that, but I love the world. I've read some of the books. Um, and it's just, it's right in that vein of... Uh, world of darkness like it's just messed up there is no it's hard to be a good guy i think one of their books is a guy picks up a sword and he saves like an army and in doing so like he had blacked out and just slaughtered anything that moved and he killed just about equal good to bad and was the last one standing and like yeah like how cool am I? hey you found a magical weapon it's cursed hey you found magical armor it's cursed like everything is cursed welcome to hell like you, you may think you are on a, a safe place but you are not yeah that, that's exactly it and, and diablo is one of those games I mean, again, I go back to when when Diablo first came out and and sitting there and just playing it for hours and just loving every bit of it. And and so I, maybe it's the nostalgia of it. Maybe I, I'm not sure. But as I've I played Diablo two and I loved it, I played Diablo three and I love it. I mean, I know there's people that absolutely hate Diablo three. I love it. <laughs> Zach, you hate Diablo three. I I don't like that one at all. I've I can't even explain what it is about it that I found so distasteful. Maybe my sensibilities have just changed to the point where, like, the the loot loop is no longer appealing to me. But, I mean, I spent days playing Diablo 2. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't mean, like, I spent a cup. I played it on certain days. I mean, the time I put in there was measured in the hundreds of hours. And some about Diablo 3, I just can't do. I don't know if it's... It was a, it was a big swing, I believe, from yeah. what it was. You know, there was... Uh... It kind of turned into, it was kind of like fourth edition for D&D, I guess would be the way to describe it. Bunch of mobs, high combat, turned into yeah. like a Dynasty Warrior style kill thing versus, you know, I, I feel like Diablo 2 and even Diablo 1 was like, I didn't feel like you necessarily got overwhelmed, but every encounter was very deadly. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you're, uh, it's, it's a speed run game. So and I, I'm maybe a, it's I'm just the emphasis on, on skills. I felt like skills are more emphasized. Like yeah. you could have a barbarian in Diablo 2 and just like, never use whirlwind never use leap you just held the attack button and got your way through it yeah. i feel like now you can't really do that like a witch doctor is gonna just like hit things like no you're supposed to be throwing spiders out like why are you playing this guy and so maybe it was that. i can't explain it it's just not for me 
And I, I think you see that a little bit. I think that's why, you know, there was a lot of the, well, we see it with D&D, right? That's when Pathfinder came in because they moved to something that was different and people weren't expecting it. Uh, was a Path of Exile has become extremely popular for being kind of what people yeah. felt like Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 should have been. So, I, Yeah, made by the guys that made Diablo 2. I would, I'm, I don't know. I, I still think it would be a fun world to play a D&D campaign in. I was pretty excited when Critical Role did their thing to launch it just because, God, that's it's it's got to be like Strahdland, right? Like it's just everything's depressing, and you're always—I mean, you are literally nothing in a world of gods and demons. Just decide to use you as a plaything and make your life hell. It's like Ravenloft and Scardlands blended into one because the very earth itself in Diablo tries to kill you, right? And now you have mobs everywhere, and it's horribly depressing. And I, I'd be down. I'd totally try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think being. I don't know. I think being somebody in that world is a lot harder than just like, oh, you're going to go adventure. It's like, do you really want to just leave town like during the day, let alone at night? Like you're insane. Yeah. So anyway, that's my 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 D&D rant or my Diablo rant. Now recording. I'm pretty sure that there is a Dungeons and Dragons Diablo. I'm pretty sure there's like Diablo 2 Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sure they've done it. I don't know. I, again, it's one of those things of it lends itself well to the world. The the monsters, you could have a bestiary that'd be fantastic and grotesque and scary. The magical item list would be ungodly. Um, if you could find a way to have it be like a high magic world and have a random loot table, be like, hey, you've got a plus one electrical shocking grasp, whatever, because I rolled on this random item table. Yeah. Uh, you have some set bonuses that you could do. You have classes. You've got good lore across the board from monks and Amazons and barbarians and druids and assassins. I mean, yeah, it, it translates well. Okay, so here it is. Dungeons & Dragons Diablo 2 Edition is a pen and paper RPG yeah. for the Diablo series based on content from Diablo 2. It was devised by Bill Slavashek and Jeff Grubb. This is an adaptation of the rules from D&D's system and the universe of the computer game Diablo 2 in the form of a modular board game where players assume the role of one of the five characters and try to clean up dungeons and yeah. grab treasures, defending themselves from dangerous monsters that inhabit that, that place. So uh, it says the game had a number of expansions, uh, namely the Bloodstone Tomb, the Awakening Diablerie, to Hell and Back, and the Secret Cow Level. That's what I want to play. See, and I think also, even it, it's set up like Axe. You could play it through as a campaign. You arrive in Tristram. There's a little things going on on the outside, and then you discover that you've got to go deeper. You know, you work through levels. It's a mega dungeon. Eventually, you're, you know, one-way portal working with an angel. I mean, it it plays up to an epic, like, well, you're level 20. Guess what? We're fighting Diablo. It's time to destroy the soul stone. Decide if you're going to yeah. keep the ring or not. Like, here we go. Yeah, yeah don't worry. It was made in Don't. conjunction by Wizards of the Coast and Blizzard. Yeah. Don't worry, folks. On Amazon, it's only $300. Oh, so it was popular. Holy shit. <laughs> Limited run. Yeah. Now I think I need like five or six of these little Tyrael Pop Funko things, too. So thanks for making me spend money. They're pretty day. cool, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's kind of badass. I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. GameStop has some unusual stuff. I mean, they did the Dritt Stewart in one. In fact, I was over at my brother's house, Dom's house the other day, and he got the GameStop Dritz figure. It's pretty freaking cool. It wasn't enough for me to run out and buy it right away, but I was like, you know what? Overall, that's a really good looking toy. It's amazing what they get. I mean, between Wizards of the Coast, I'm looking at some of their Blizzard stuff as well, their licensing and stuff. I mean, I think it's, it's got to be fun to be that big where everybody's like, yeah, go ahead and use our license. 
I, I didn't put it yeah. in the show notes, but GameStop also has a, re- a set of resin D&D dice that are out for pre-sale right now that are scheduled to be released, I think, in September. I was going to include it, but there was so much coming out from D&D this week that I didn't feel like uh, it, it was just a set of dice. So I didn't feel like it was something that we could include. But now that you've brought up GameStop stuff, here's a way to include it. Full circle. So let's let's jump into it because we do have some stuff to cover. Of course, our topic this week, as we said last week, is going to be talking about the kiths of Changeling the Dreaming 20th Anniversary Edition. Uh, before we do that, we want to jump into the news because there's quite a bit that was released from Dungeons and Dragons this week as we had D&D Live. Did either of you get a chance to check any of that out? Nope. I did not get a chance. No, I, I didn't either. Um, unfortunately, it gets so hot in my office that the idea of sitting in here at 110, 115 degrees to watch that and sweat trickling down my back just didn't seem like a good idea. So I chose yeah. not to. The big news coming out of this event is the release of a new source book, Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. This new book is scheduled for release on October 19th and will come with an alternate art edition, which... Although the alternate art looks fantastic, it is a step away from what they normally do for the alternate art covers. Nolan, you you had some thought on, on this one in our, our little group chat. Tell me tell me your thoughts on this book, on this cover, I should say. I really liked it. Um, for me, and I don't know what it was. Like, I think the last ones have kind of been like, oh, cool, it's a collector's edition. Um, this one here, I don't know what it was about it that felt like... I don't know. I mean, it, it reminded me of a, a, of a work of art, like I guess is the best way to describe it. It, it looked like, you know, uh, Michael's creation one, you know, the two, you know, touching hands, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things that it just really jumped out to me as far as like, that's really pretty. Like that's really, really pretty. Like you could have that as whether it's a, you know, I don't know, collector's editions are cool to have and they're nice to, you know, look at but sometimes you'd look at one of those and tell me like oh okay like that's a neat that's a fancy book and then somebody would look at them like what the heck you know it just grabbed me versus yeah. just being like uh, a nice looking thing with a symbol on it that's only you know personal to you of knowing what's going on but i don't know i thought it looked really cool zach did you have any thoughts on the covers um we're not gonna dive into the book yet we are going to i'm I just curious the, about the covers at the moment i got them pulled up right now i think the alternate art is so much better than the normal art i don't i don't think wizards of the coast has done too good of a job with their art cover all the time i mean the dungeon master's guide is just like a 3d lich you know the player's handbook is I don't know, like a giant and he's fighting a druid. Like, I don't know. And then, yeah, like the cover for the new one is just like two dragons yelling at each other. And then you have the alternate art. And yeah, like you've got these two dragons. and They're twisting together and they're like breathing fire into each other's mouths. It looks great. It has a nice yin yang thing that the yeah. for the, the normal cover. When I first saw the picture of it, I was like, oh, which magic card is this? And that's right. What I, that's what I thought it yeah. was. It looked like it, it had that style. And that's not a negative to it. Usually there's, you know, I don't have a problem with it. But that's what I first thought was it didn't jump out as a D&D thing. I thought we were getting a, a sorcery card for magic, you know. I, yeah. I think when I first saw the original cover, my first thought was these creatures look enormous. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but when yeah. I saw that original cover, I felt the enormity of, the, of, of a dragon. Uh, and I do agree with you, Nolan. It does scream magic. But again, they use artists for both D&D and magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that was but that was my initial thought was, oh, my gosh, look at the, the size of this. Now, when you posted the alt art cover in our little group chat, I was busy and I couldn't take a look at it. 
And at first I thought you had found something else. I didn't even think it was actually this book because it is a, such a step away from their normal alternate doing. art. Yeah. So at first I was like, what, what is that? And I didn't, I did not take a look at it until I started typing the show notes. And I'm like, holy shit, that is actually the alternate art. And yeah, I think the alternate, like you said, it looks like an art book. It doesn't look like a source book at this point. It, it yeah. has, I mean, to, it, it looks like a divine painting, I guess is the best way I can say it. Like it has that style, that paintbrush, like, you know what I mean? Like it looks like a, something that's like, you know, it, it goes up on the ceiling, you know, in the, in, in the, yeah, the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> chapel. You know what I mean? Like it just looks like two deities in battle and I don't know, it just jumped out to me as like, you know, I, I would like to, I would do that as a poster, take the, take the tiling off or whatever. And I think that's just a great art piece Yeah, like that, that. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was cool. Okay, so I do want to get into great. the book. I, I want to dive into the book, and and because we did have you, all three of us had some speculations about what this book could possibly mean in the future. But before I do that, I want to read directly from Wizards' page. Uh, this is what the book will include, and this says: uh, Fizzbane's treasury of dragons, straight from the dragon's mouth. Discover how dragons embody magic across the worlds of D and D plural worlds and how you can bring them to life in, in uh, at your table in the quintessential reference guide for the world's greatest role-playing game meet fizzban the fabulous doddering archmage unlikely hero of the lands divine avatar of the dragon god and your guide to the mysteries of dragon kind in the worlds of DD. Uh, what is the difference between a red dragon and a gold dragon what is dragon sight how does the magic that suffuses dragons impact the world around them here's your comprehensive guide to dragons filled with the tips and tools a dm and players need for the encounters uh, with these dangerous and mythical or magical creatures it goes on to say more but what it actually includes is it in introduces gem dragons to fifth edition reveals the story of the first world and the role of bahamut and tiamat played in its creation and destruction adds new player character player character options including unique dragon draconic ancestries for dragonborn dragon themed subclasses for monks and rangers and new feet and spell options offers everything a DM needs to craft adventures inspired by dragons across the worlds of D&D with new dragon layer maps and details on 20 different types of dragons presents a complete dragon bestiary introduces a variety of new dragons dragon lady creatures including aspects of dra uh, dragon gods dragon minions and more. Uh, did I mention, uh, oh yeah, I did say new feet and spell options. Okay. Announced this weekend was, or, oh, never mind. That's something different. <laughs> that's what I get for reading show notes. Okay. So that's what the book is going to include. Now there's a couple of things that we all talked about in our little group chat. And, and that is the, the importance, if it's an important thing or not about including the name of Fizzban. Uh, Zach, who is Fizzban? Oh, geez. I don't want to get into spoilers. Uh, if you get haven't into spoilers. read if you haven't read Dragonlance, okay, the original if, three. If you haven't read the original D of Dragonlance that came out in the 1980s, I'm you sorry, we're getting into okay. spoilers. Um, Fizban is a wizard in the Dragonlance books, kind of known for being like a doddering old man. Like he has he has magic beyond the uh, other characters capable of casting fireball, even when Raceland expressly says, like, I'm too low of a level, I can't cast fireball. And then later it turns out to be a god the whole time. Yeah, he was paladin, wasn't he? He was, yeah. So Yeah, and he forms like this unique bond with Tasselhoff and <laughs> Yeah, it I think the big thing is that Wizards is still using Kryn to pull from, even if they won't just like I hate to say it this way, just like cowboy up and give us like official Kryn stuff. I mean, it is rodeo week, so I know. Okay, but I think so... that's I think that's kind of the big takeaway is that they're still using Dragonlance material. Nolan, you had mentioned the term, and I and I think it's important that we talk about it, and 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 that is clickbait. 
why did you what what made you think that this was just clickbait and and explain that a little more uh, i well i think it was just one of the first things of any time we've seen you know when we talked about the ua stuff there was a fizzband shield and you're like oh it's crin and it's like well i'm you know oh you know i think it's just trying to get people in there and i think with some new stuff coming up, I think it's fully intentional. I I do not see us getting a campaign setting until some of the books start coming out again. And I think it'll fully depend on the popularity of those books before they invest into it. At this point, I think the Fizz Band being on there uh, is no different than uh, Mornkainen or uh, Tasha's or any of the other books that we've had so far where they've thrown, you know, Volo's Guide doesn't mean we're getting a Volo campaign setting. We're just, they're using famous people across the realm to do something. And I think as far as a dragon expert that would have something to know about it, I I, I imagine Fizzman's probably the most likely character. I don't know a lot of history of other things. Like it's called Dungeons and Dragons, but dragons are pretty quiet, uh, at least in the generation that we're playing in uh, Forgotten Realms. Uh, and, and other stuff there. So as as Paladine and the war and all that stuff, it's like he's probably the expert on it. I, I'm curious to see how people will like this book, uh, and I and I just don't know how much is in there. I guess you know, like yeah, being able to play a dragon better, I think is cool. But is I didn't realize that'd be like a whole book. And I think that was like was a Mornkinen's that was very much elf and dwarf. Like that was a big chunk of the lore. Um, I'm curious yeah. to see what they have for a big chunk of lore about dragons. But, you know, I know like if it was a Beholder book, you know, Patrick would probably buy it. And so I'm sure there's those same people that are along that line of dragon. Like they're like, finally, you know what I mean? Finally, I get this. Yeah. Um, I, we, I remember when we talked about the Unearthed Arcana and stuff like that, the, the reworking of the Cobalt pissed off Zach. So curious to see how that. It's awful. It turns out. Um, the gym dragons adding in some more of the, right. the, the psychic cool. stuff. I'm I, that's what I'm most excited about. I'm hoping that we're starting to get closer to a psionic book. When were gym dragons first introduced? Does anybody remember what setting that was in? I, I, I don't know this off the top of my head. I literally just read this Monster Manual 2 for third edition. Okay, but what setting were they initially released in? I think the Monster Manuals were just like, yeah, here's a ton of monsters. <laughs> Sure. So I'm um, just curious if the gym dragons were actually in a certain setting for D and D. I know. I I don't remember reading one, but during during third edition, it didn't seem like they did settings as much. It seemed like there were more just blanket adventures and different areas that you could just plug into your world. But I do know that they did a very big psionic handbook, expanded psionic handbook, psionic monsters. Mm -hmm. Like they went deep into that kind of offshoot branch. Well. While they were putting out a million other books, I know they went, uh, you know, far east with a bunch of uh, Oriental adventures uh, and, and such there. But I think they did a book a month at some point. Like that's that was their pace. Oh, it says there, D and D's latest source book revives a dragon species that's been lost for twenty years. Yeah, it it, it looks like they were actually forgotten realms. Maybe hmm. we've had very little Which is interesting stuff, and and maybe that's I don't know. That would be kind of a cool way to take it into the future. I mean, I know yeah. that when it comes to the the uh, companions mm-hmm. books, uh, what's Cameral uh, is uh, Jarlaxle's psionic friend is crazy oh, powerful yeah. um, and has a major role to play in the future books. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I've thought quite a bit about this book. A couple of things that that first off is 
This is probably one of the few D&D books that are coming out that I'm more than likely going to pick up because, and it's just like you said, Nolan, we haven't had a lot with dragons. And and the idea that, you know, a dragon could be someone that is, and I think Matt Mercer did a great job of showing us this with, with the, um, was it the uh, Emerald Conclave? Is that what it is called? I, 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 critical role chroma? Fans are gonna chroma? chroma conclave yes the chroma conclave okay. sorry i mean dragons were very much involved with that and i and i think the idea that a dragon a venerable dragon of all things could be that 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 bad guy that is guiding you know this epic long adventure that brings you to this epic long fight where you're going to fight this this venerable like red dragon or something where it is this really massive legendary creature that it's going to take everything you have in your bag of tricks to try to defeat right so i think i think having a book that can potentially guide us to that level of of character or of of campaign creation for dms is a wonderful thing and I think being able to see the history and understand the dragons better, because you can really role play or or our uh, story uh, story tell, if you will, a dragon if you understand its whole thing, instead of just well, this is my dragon and how it is. Then that's great. I encourage you to do that. But here's just a little bit more that you can draw upon as you're creating your bad guy. And and I like the idea that they're going to include dragon layers. I remember in AD and D Second Edition of the the loot table, and if you were able to successfully kill a dragon, I mean, you might as well just retire because you had everything in the game at that point because their 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 treasure trove was just massive, right? It was like you went and killed Smaug and you have everything you ever need to, to be successful, even if you just take one tri- tiny chest back to the Shire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I, I'm excited about the book in and of itself. Now, when I think about drawing upon Fizban, and this is kind of where I got excited, because if I think about like Volo's guide, right? Volo's guide and uh, what was it? Um Oh, I'm completely drawing a blank. They've done other books where they were very specific in saying like the Xanathar book, Xanathar's Guide to Everything came out around the time of the Waterdeep books. We had Volo's Guide come out where we can actually, they, I mean, they clearly spelt it out that if the players, if they buy the book in game, they can, or if they own the book personally, they can buy the book in game and have access to everything that's in that book. Yeah, and, and they've done that a couple times now. And then with Von Richten's, we knew that they were going to go back to Ravenloft. They talked about going back to Ravenloft. And now we have Von Richten's. And it's kind of the same thing where if you have access to this book, you can use it in the game. So they've done, in my opinion, they've done a fairly good job of keeping it, you know, very thematic. Like, OK, Volo is very well known in Faerun. Morden Kanan is, although originally in Greyhawk, he eventually came to Faerun, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Tasha's, think- we know... With uh, Mordenkainen's, we got a, a pretty good demon section right before a descent into Avernus. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So I don't so, know. I don't know if it's a Kren thing. I mean, it it it's building up to that for sure. And I would also just take, like you said, like maybe there is an all-out dragon war coming to Forgotten Realms. Like maybe they are bringing dragons and to the dungeons, uh, you know, in the world. And that's we have we haven't seen it outside of Kren. So I don't know. I. They're doing a lot to tease it, and if they're just teasing it, I think they're going to do more harm than good. <laughs> well, I, I sincerely, because it would be pretty epic to bring a, a, a like a dragon war or something like that into into D anD. And like we had an epic dragon war in Dragonlance, why not do something like that in the Forgotten Realms? But you know, the other thing to keep in mind is that, and I saw somebody mention this on a, I think it was a Reddit thread where they were talking about this book in particular. And somebody said, "What are we going to discover that like Tiamat is actually Tachisist from Kryn?" Which, in my yeah. opinion, w- yeah, exactly. Why she, wouldn't it be? 
Like, yeah, no. Right. That, yeah, once they're all under it, the same license and they can use the same name. It's a, yeah. I mean, well, and it just it just the, makes sense. Why couldn't you a, have? And I think here's here's where I was going to go with this is that it's if a you giant have five headed dragon, like from right, multi but Takis is, like, is a goddess, right? Yeah, but so is Tiamat. And, and that's actually my point. Like the so author didn't want to use Tiamat. So why like couldn't we thing. have? Why couldn't we have like you know where where the universe here revolves around the sun, right? And, and what if we had, in a metaphysical sense, the universe, the the demiplanes, the universe of Dungeons and Dragons, in and of itself, revolves. Wow, that was a weird word. Revolves around this metaphysical plane that has all the gods and goddesses that speak to each of the different realms, but they're actually the same person. You know, so Tiamat is Tachysis. It is the same person, so to speak, just in a different name for Kryn versus Faerun and Bahamut the same way. So I think I, I, I wonder if we're going to see some of that being pulled in where they're going to say, OK, yes, Tiamat is actually Tachysis. And these these very well-known gods and goddesses of, of Faerun are actually the same ones over here in Greyhawk or, or Kryn or something like that. So I think they're doing more than just spoiling potential of what they might be doing in the future uh, when it comes to a source book and showing what they might be doing as a whole. Do you want to know the... the? Here, here's my turn to say, here's my hot take. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. I figured this was going to be a whole episode of hot takes. <laughs> so in the, in the Forgotten Realms, we continually run into their story, the Black Pillars, the obelisks. And yep. mm -hmm. during the ancient times, the obelisks were anti-cataclysm type events. A meteorite's coming. All the mages come together. They funnel power through this, and they rewrite time. I know there is one in uh, the, the campaign we're playing through now. Uh, at some point, it is briefly mentioned, but I think we're going on a time-traveling adventurer back to the start of everything, and we will see the Dragon Wars versus the Elves. Huh. So you're talking about old-school okay Mithrandir, you know, I mean, you know what I mean, like, I, I, or Mithranor, not Mithrandir, uh, Mithranor. But, yeah, the, 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 the ancient Elf versus Dragon War, I think that's where we're going with. And, and at that point, it very could be. So long ago, you know, she went by another name. And once she was defeated, she lost some of what she was, and now she's just this demigod known as, you know, Tiamat. In every adventure, like you said, every adventure has had an obelisk in it. It's mentioned in some way, you know, including the Dragon, the Horde of the Dragon Queen adventure, as well as in um, uh, Tomb of Annihilation. We have always seen an obelisk mentioned in some way. And so, yeah, they're obviously setting something up with that. And I don't think that'd be kind of neat in a one where, where that, that it is a time traveling thing. But what if those obelisks are more than just time travel? They're actually planar travel. And you can go from Dark Sun to Kryn to things like that, because now that the Abelis have been activated, if you have the way to do it, you can go back in time or you can move to a different plane or things like that. What if those that's what they're using those for? I, I don't know. The, it's uh, all hot takes. Let's see. What is the the Abelis were magical artifacts from the Nethereal. Um, the most notable power associated with the obelisk was the ability to alter time and reality. So I don't know if we're going to get a Doctor Strange type situation there or something like that. But <laughs> fully activation of these powers required another powerful artifact with magical charges that seemingly had to be keyed into the obelisk, as was the instance for the Staff of Power. Hmm. So there is lore around these, them keeping popping up. That's what I'm hoping for. I want... and. and 
and maybe just maybe we would see a power level where you could oh that's cute you're going to drop a fireball on here i'm a level 25 whatever it doesn't do anything to this like we see in real magic right it's the uh Luke Skywalker meeting Anakin in his prime. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, that's cute. You think you know the Force. Like, you know, watch what we used to be. You know, and maybe we will see a, a real campaign where it's like, this is the power level. It's over 9,000. Could be. So let's let's move on. So we do have that book coming. Like I said, it is scheduled to come out September 20th. Uh, was it September 20th? No. Yes? No? Maybe October 19th. I'm getting my stuff confused. October 19th. Yeah, yep, I'm getting my stuff confused. Uh, also announced this week was the Witchlight Carnival. This is a package set that includes a set of premium dice and other, quote, goodies. This will carry a price tag of $29.99 and is scheduled for release on September 21st. This set includes 11 premium dice, uh, 2D20s, 1D12, 2D10s, 1D8, 4D6s, and 1D4. A durable felt line box that doubles as a dice tray. As two dice trays, sorry. A beautifully illustrated, double-sided, player-friendly, fold-out map with the Witchlight Carnival on one side and a Carnival concept art on the other side. And 19 double-sided reference cards with descriptions and illustrations of characters, creatures, games, and other features of the Witchlight Carnival. Zach, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on some of these ancillary products like this? I get why they exist, but I don't know why people buy them. You feel like it's just a cash grab? No, it is. Also, I'm not trying to be unfair. Like, they're cool, they're a nice thing to have... People with disposable income need to use that, but like at the same time, I'm like, just get some, just get some dice, man. Like, so I think with uh, this one here, of everything I've seen on the Witchlight, I think when they do this stuff, it's kind of like, here's your starter pack. You want to get into yeah. D and D? Here's it. You know, here's the here's the jump start. Twenty nine bucks. You're at the table. You got your dice. You get to be a part of it, um, and they kind of hook your. Uh, their little claws into you so you come back for more yeah um and then reading about uh the the wild beyond the witch light it it seems designed to get new players into it the more i read it um i think chris perkins was saying something along the lines that his quote was uh, it's a very light-hearted adventurer all of the challenges in the adventure can be handled without combat and it's easier to get through this story with a smile than with a sword um and then it's got uh, apparently it's got a lot of throwback to the D D cartoon and apparently a couple of those characters show up. Oh. So it, it, it is kind of one of those things. That it, this one feels like there's never been a better time to play D&D. Here's your starter pack. Here's this one here. You can get through. You know, Combat can bog you down. Somebody's not into it. We're bringing in role play. We're bringing in a carnival. It's lighthearted. It's fun. This is the stuff to get into it. That's Speaking legit. of lighthearted, also announced this week at D&D Live is Oh, we're going the opposite, Nerds. huh? Nerds. No. Nerds Dungeons and Dragons. Nerds the Candy is partnering with Dungeons and Dragons Dungeons and Dragons for a sweet adventure beginning on uh, September 1st, 2021. Each purchase of specially marked Nerds Candy unlocks one of seven custom D&D adventures. You can meet the whole Nerds party at the on their website which there is a link to it in the show notes there's also they also had a site set up for the full rules of how this is going to work but it says that there is nothing at this time to check back later okay um <laughs> so i have my thoughts on this one but nolan we're going to go to you first because you were talking about lightheartedness and uh tell me what your thoughts are on nerds dmd i don't I, again, I think it's one of those things of uh, it'll be interesting to see it. We we talk about it a few times of finding a, a game or an avenue that's again good for bringing your kids into it. Um, you know, my kids are four and nine. This one here, I could see you know, getting getting into it. I my 
I remember my ad- first adventures into fantasy and stuff like that was the Redwall series where I was reading about mice who were wielding Excalibur, you know, and then the next thing I know, I was like, I really like the genre. I could do without the badgers and the mice. What's out there? And then stumbling into what have I been missing out on? So again, I think as a older person, I'm not super excited about this as an older person with kids, maybe this is a path to do it. And plus theirs are disgustingly awesome. I mean, throw them in a blizzard and I'm a happy snowman, man. Like that's just, that's, that's, that's the way we roll. So I can't be too mad about this promo. It seems out there. Like I want to know what nerds had to pay to like hook into that. Cause that's just like, when I sit around the table, I'm not like, I'm thinking Doritos and Mountain Dew. I'm not thinking nerds, the candy. Like I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess it's a great partnership, nerds, the candy, and nerds play D&D, right? Uh, so yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I'm going to hold back, Zach. We're going to go to you next and see what your thoughts are on this one. I'm going to bury what Zach has to say. I'm going I'm to bury the lead on this one. Have you seen the Silence brand meme? I want... You can look it up. It's a Twitter response to when uh, particular brands are being a little too cool on Twitter, you tweet back a macro of a crab shooting lasers out of its eye and it says silence brand. I would rather play the silence brand crab tabletop RPG game than the Wendy's adventure or this nerd adventure in the same way that I would rather I don't want to do to buy a KFC PC gaming rig I hate this stuff. So <laughs> it's funny because this is kind of how I thought this discussion was going to go. I, I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. So I, when I first saw this, I, I thought, it. Sure, surely uh, there must have been, I, I had to find out, was Nerds somehow a subsidiary of Hasbro? I had to look, right? I had to find out if this is, because surely this, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, we talk all the time about these these uh, sideways integrations of products with D&D and Magic, and I thought maybe Hasbro's has got an, Hasbro has another way of tying in one of their products to their biggest product, which is D&D, right? Oh, no. No, it's a different company. It's like Ferrera Candy or something like that. So it's a completely different company. Now, I, I think about nerds in and of themselves. Like I remember nerds when they actually first came out because I am that old and like it was like my favorite candy for a long time. Uh, watermelon nerds were the best. Fight me. It's just one of those things. <laughs> but this is fucking dumb. So dumb. I was I mean, I, I totally see where you're coming from, Nolan, where this could be fun, especially for kids like little kids. Yeah, I could see where this could be one of those things is like, hey, dad, can we go get some nerds and find out what the next D&D adventure is? Yeah, sure. I, I, I'm i OK. I can see that. But, you know, I here's here's what I'm going to see. And I promise you, when this starts coming out, D&D TikTok is going to be flooded with nerd D&D TikTok. And it's going to be ridiculous. And, and I just... I don't know. I, I saw this and I really, truly, visibly cringed when I saw it. And I'm not excited about this. And it feels like the marketing company over at Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast is like, fuck it. Let's just add whatever we can to D&D. That is exactly what It's making what it money is. hand over fist. Let's see how far we can take this. That's exactly what it is. The D&D the, the sex toys. Let's do it. Like, And this is just the start. We're going to get... The Toyota D and D adventure, where you have to be. hop into your Toyota and drive across the four favor. wheels of fury. World of Warcraft exactly. already did it. Oh, yeah, World of Warcraft already did that, didn't they? 
It's so dumb. I hate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not at all a fan of this. But you know what? Here's the thing. There's going to be people who are, and they're going to be super excited about it because they get to find, you know, I know personally when, when my wife and I go to the movie theater, it is not a movie theater experience for her unless she has a nerd's rope. Like generally it's just not, Oh my gosh. Like she doesn't care about the popcorn or anything else. She has to have a nerd's rope. That is like her thing. Whenever we go and she only gets it at the movie theater. She's not like running to the gas station all the time to buy a goddamn nerd's rope only at the theater. It's just her thing. Right. They sell them anywhere, but the theater, I think it, I think it might just be our theater. I've never seen them anywhere else. You could be right. I genuinely don't know. (laughs) I have not had a, uh, I had not, I have not had nerds in, Probably decades. It's just, yeah, I have no idea. But here's what I was going to say is that there is going to be a a very large group of fans who love this and they're going to eat this up, pun intended, in in every aspect, you know, possible. And they're going to I would not be surprised if we see D&D nerd plushies. I'm going to call it now. D&D nerd colored dice where it comes in like a box that you slide open on each side to dump out the dice. It'll be a big, big box. You know, things like that. We are going to see branding across all sorts of things when it comes to this nerd thing. And, and, and people are going to eat it up. They're going to just dive in head first and just love every minute of it. And good for them. You know, if that's what brings you joy, hey, enjoy it. It's not something that I'm going to jump into. It's not something I would even consider jumping into. But I hope you have fun and I hope you love it. And I hope it brings you some sort of pleasure. Zach's over there shaking his head. Nope. I I hope you hate it. I just found the art of the Dungeons and Dragons nerds. Oh, yeah, there's videos. There's total videos of you can meet the whole nerds party. They're stabbing stuff with their feet. He's hopping around with a spear. In between his toes. Because they have no hands. I'm just letting you know. I mean, one of them is playing a lute with their foot, but all right. Yep. But I don't, I don't mean to be down. I just don't like the, uh, I don't like that everything's an ad. And I know that it's been that way. I know it's been that way for a long time. Well, but even as early, even as early, or I guess as late as 2012, it wasn't like this. And you could go to places on the internet where it wasn't all consolidated into Reddit and Facebook. And there wasn't just an ad on everything. And we didn't but have you know, to deal with like we, Burger King, like sending people tweets talking about like using awful internet slang. Like just leave us alone. So if you if you look at the history of marketing and sorry, I gotta pour myself a cup here. If you That's look actually at the history whiskey. Of, like, it's totally whiskey. No, I you know. All right, total side side here. Since having COVID, I can't stand the taste of whiskey. Oh. Yeah, I'm or terrified to right. touch my, my bottle of McAllen that I have upstairs. I'm terrified to even try it because mm. it's going to be like, well, McAllen's ruined for me. Nolan, you have gone like completely blurry. Like somebody has put something over your, your camera. Yeah. There oh, he is. <laughs> I was swiping at a fly and I think I threw it off. Gotcha. So like if you if you go back and you look at like marketing and things like that and, and you look at like cartoons, like Saturday morning cartoons and stuff, there are Saturday morning cartoons that were designed just to sell toys. Uh-huh. Mask being one of them. Um there and, and 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 it just goes on from there. They were only designed to sell 
toys. That's it. So the idea that now we have nerds or or a game that's designed to sell candy or candy that's designed to help promote a game to get people into it, because it's going to work both ways, right? You're going to have that D&D player who goes down to the store before their D&D game. Instead of buying that bag of Doritos, they're going to buy that box of nerds or that package, several packages of nerd ropes to bring to their, their table now. Because it's going to have the D&D stamp on it. And it's like, hey, why not grab the official candy of D&D? And then you're going to have those nerds, those fans of nerds who are like, well, what is this D&D thing that I keep reading about? It's, I mean, it makes sense. I may not like it, but it makes sense. I've never looked at a candy bar and be like, looked at what's on it. Like, oh, it's a crunch bar. Cool. I can win $5 million by signing up for NBA Jam. Yeah. Rappers in the garage. I'm not going to do that. But somebody will. Yeah, that's true. Oh, well. It's still so. I get it. I know. Yep. I don't like it. So we have basically spent this entire episode, and I kind of thought this might happen, just talking about the stuff that came out of D&D Live. It's nice to have some news. Um, it is. It's really nice to have some news. And so that is all I've seen so far. I, and I'd imagine there's going to be more stuff, because I think it wraps up today, doesn't it? It wrapped up yesterday. So it did wrap up. So this should be everything then. So that is all the news for D&D right now. If we miss something, we apologize. Like I said, there is a set of dice from GameStop that you can go and check out. Uh, so we're going to jump over to Onyx Path so we can, I guess, quickly touch on the kiss of Changeling because we're not going to have a whole lot of time left. Yeah, we could hit uh, that so. next time too. I mean, so we could spin it properly and curb our news enthusiasm and, and do it justice yeah, if you that's, want that's fine yep yeah that, we can definitely we'll, yeah we'll we'll, we'll we'll lightly touch on it and we'll be here for another hour and a half that, that's very true so let's let's talk about the kiss there is let's talk about the kiss next week uh i do want to talk quickly about onyx path real fast uh and that is because they did finally launch their uh squeaks in the deep kickstarter so and, and I did find out that Onyx Path, you know, they mentioned last week that it was for, circ- for circumstances outside of their control that they were unable to launch their Kickstarter the previous week for Squeaks in the Deep. Well, apparently Kickstarter was completely inundated with Kickstarter reviews. So I guess there's just a shit ton of projects coming to Kickstarter from all over the place that it had Kickstarter so busy that they could not approve this in time. Which, wow. uh, yeah, I was like, that's got to okay. be a good thing, right? Probably good for Kickstarter. Yeah, probably very good. I hope, you know, I hope there's just a ton of projects out there that are going to make people happy and they see stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I hope people do well. The project for, for Squeaks in the Deep is live. It already met its funding goal of $15,000. It's bumping about $30,000 now in its first week. Uh, if you're a fan of Puckmire and Monarchies of Mouth, this probably is one you want to check out. There is a link in the show notes, so you can go in and see that. There's not a lot else from Onyx Path. You know, projects are working their way through the project's status board, uh, which is exciting for me because I have a ton of books coming. Other than that, just not a whole lot. The They did release the uh, jumpstart for Trinity Aberrant, uh, or Trinity Continue, sorry, uh, Adventures of Teen Tomorrow, which if you look at the cover, it looks like a, a like, it really looks like a comic book for like New Mutants. Uh, that's that is what I first was reminded of. This is a uh, Trinity a- uh, continuing aberrant jumpstart introduces you to the world of 2028 where superhumans known as Novas have have risen to prominence, changing the world with their quantum powers. Team Tomorrow, a group of superheroes, are among the most popular and well-liked Novas on the planet. Young Novas hoping to join the ranks of Team Tomorrow attend Team Tomorrow Academy as a team colloquially known as Team Tomorrow. Wow, that is a lot of up tease. Yeah, that <laughs> sense jumpstart. could have been written better. 
Yeah. There's, I mean, how many teens is in that? that that's, that's a lot. lot. That's a lot of teen. Teen, yeah. teen tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, this jumpstart adventure follows teen tomorrow on a training mission gone awry when their instructor starts behaving recklessly. So that is available on drive through RPG. If you are a fan of Trinity Continuum and want to check that one out, it is a jumpstart. So if you haven't ever played Trinity Continuum, this could be a good way for you to get into it. I did check other uh, gaming sites and I didn't see a whole lot of other things when it comes D&D to live kind of dominated everything it really like best, did like best to stay away like you don't want to if the sun is rising you don't want to like shine your flashlight to get people's attention yeah because you're gonna not get you're attention. not yeah you're not gonna get any Right. I completely agree with that. Uh, so, and I did, like I said, I checked Free League. I checked, I know Modifius had a couple of things come out this week, but it wasn't anything major. And I checked um, oh, Chaosium, things like that. I didn't check Chaosium's Kickstarter to find out how that ended up, because I think that one's getting close to ending. Uh, so, but we talked about that last week. So just just real quick, I do want to circle back real fast to the D&D Live stuff and just kind of get your guys' final thoughts on it real fast. So Zach, we'll start with you. Of what we've heard with uh, D&D Live, what are some of the things that you're most excited about and you know, upcoming and what it potentially means for the future of D&D? Coupling on what Nolan said about uh, the official adventure book that's coming out, what's it called? Witchlight? The, the oh. Witchlight, yeah. yeah. I think they had announced the new... Um, Adventure League adventure that they are doing is... Oh, we need to talk about that. I'll, I will I will lead this in. Uh, they're doing a new thing. It's going to start with an epic campaign, an epic session, where you have multiple tables in the same room all playing at the same time. And so DMs and players can switch around. And then it's 12 more like that you play at your table... And then the 14th is also an epic ending. But the big thing that they had promised is that I think the author who wrote them, she said that if you try and brute force your way through these, even in an adventure league play, that you won't be able to succeed. And so I think the idea, because this is, I think, something that people have been actually saying for a long time, and I think it's a weakness in fifth edition, is that anything that does not have to do with rolling an attack roll or a skill check, or a saving throw has been completely left to the DM's interpretation. And while that's good, it can leave people kind of in the wind. And so I think out of D&D Live, one, there's the source book, but I think that they are starting to emphasize maybe non-violent and non-magical ways to like finish the mission. And that's the big takeaway I'm doing. I think they're going to finally emphasize that, like, hey, guys, you've got skills. Like, maybe here's how you use skill checks. And I think that's something that we do a fairly good job of. If you guys tell me you want to do something, I'm like, and and I know there's been times where you get frustrated because I'm taking too long. But I'll say, okay, how how can we work this out? What can we do? And then we try to sit down, you know, or we try to work together to figure out how what we need to do to make that role happen. I think we do a fairly good job at our table. I do. And I think that was the intention behind the design where it's just like look this is going to be different for every single table we may as well just like let it be different for every table but i don't think that works for adventure league because you've got a thing and like you don't know who's at the table that was the whole point you get to play with you wouldn't play with before I want to circle around. I want to stay right here in the Adventure League uh, setting real quick. And I know we're running close on time and I know, I know Nolan, you probably have to go soon. Um, But I want to 
I want to talk about Adventure League real quick. I sent you both an article from the Yawning Portal earlier this week. I, I had the pleasure of sitting down last week in, in the, the few opportunities I had of free time and watch the Bite Size Gaming podcast. And John and, and them and Zach were, were they were talking about um, they were talking about this new Mist Hunter, I think is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Ravenloft Mist Hunters, uh, which premiered this month. Uh, for virtual play weekend and some of those guys at, at bite size gaming are our dms for eventually right they actually go and do a lot of these events in, in at conventions and i think all of them are yeah i think all of them are anyway um what what struck me was the conversations that they were having without giving anything away about the whole setup and how it's being run. And one of the things that they were really upset about or bothered by, or I, I'm trying to think of the right word here, was safety tools and, and, and dealing with that in horror. And and I'm curious because you you have both had an opportunity to play D&D horror versus like World of Darkness horror. And it is vastly different. I know like Rime of the Frost Mason is supposed to be a game of horror. And at no point while reading the book or nor playing the game, do I ever feel like it has been a horror game. Now you guys are both players in that game. So I am curious what your thoughts are safety tools and welcoming space when playing horror games and how do you handle it? Well, I will say as far as what they've done and put out, I think that's great. And I think that, even just here, as far as good rules to have, I I think this has nothing to do with horror. I think this has everything to do with a good session zero and and post wrap up. Um, you know, the pregame discussion, uh, the the content warning. You know, I think all that stuff you go over, and I think this is a great reminder um, on what to have as far as boundaries and stuff like that. And I and I think you're looking at two different games of you know you've got a uh, the sixth sense horror where it's like, what is happening? And there's some weird stuff going on, but you're along for the ride versus like the Saw series where like White Wolf will just like snap legs to just shock you. Like, you know, it's like it goes out of its way to be like, oh, you imagine it's messed up. Let me paint the picture for you as they put a keg tap in your neck. And you're just like, you know, okay. So I understand where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think they're they're too different. Like I think that uh, Wizards kind of touches on it and then lets you the player make it as messed up as you need it to be in your own sick twisted brain um whereas uh white wolf says this is what's happening this is what's being done to you how do you deal with it and you don't get a chance to be like oh wow you know they're drinking my blood you know and that could be anything to anybody right that could be just one of those things of you know whatever but versus that the keg tap and you can't move and then you can feel your life force pouring out of your neck and you know and it's just all this thing on top on top on top you're like can't get out of if I want to, whereas like I said, five E is just kind of like they're draining your blood. You can't do anything about it, and that means something different to everybody. How do you feel about content warning on uh, an adventure league game? I think you look at the crowd, um, and I and I think it's very much. Um, I think we are starting to see younger options for people to play the game, um, but along these same lines too, it is a lot of older people i mean it's a very popular game amongst the 18 plus um and so you're dealing with those adult situations uh i and i think it comes back to your dm i think as a dm it's it's on you to kind of set that because you can you 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 can have those things and you can see how they're supposed to be ran and you can touch on those things but you also 
like a bartender, you've got to read the person in front of you and know what they want. You know, I mean, if, if it's a, if it's a, a younger girl and a group of guys and stuff like that, you, you change the narrative a little bit to make sure that she feels comfortable around them. And we've had those conversations where amongst younger generations, when there's a female there with a bunch of 16 to 18 year old boys, usually they have one thing on their mind and it's always living out through the thing they're they're getting drunk they're fighting in a tavern lady and and they're slaying monsters you know where that you know again guys we we're gonna bring it back in we have a mixed group here save that for your home table you know so i don't know there's a lot of personal responsibility there and and a lot of stuff on the dm to you are the harbinger of fun for the entire table not just whatever you're trying to get across or whatever the game's trying to get across so. okay zach i want to throw it to you now I think I think the biggest thing specifically about like um like kind of like an X card or like content management for an adventure league game is the fact that for better or worse you're playing an open you're playing at an open table where I mean depending on the place it might be first come first serve it might be you have to sign up but I mean, if it wasn't, if the intention wasn't to get a bunch of different people to play together, then it would just be like a home game. And I think the problem with that, and you can see this, you can go to RPG Horror Story subreddit and just do their little search for Adventure League, and you'll find a ton. And I think that the real issue is that they needed to bring this forward because all it takes is one chud. Who wants to come in and be like and they're older and they know what they're doing and they might be able to kind of browbeat kids around them into just letting them do whatever they want next thing you know you've got someone who is introducing things at the table content or behavior that's screwing everything up and so telling everyone like hey you don't have to confront this individual here are the rules if this is making you uncomfortable, you hand me this sheet of paper. I know what it means. I'll like, and we'll, I will fix it. But I like, because the DM also needs the player to let them know when things are going bad. And I, I trust Patrick and I trust Nolan. I trust everyone at the table. Like, I know, I know where our lines are. And I know that I trust Patrick not to cross them. Well, and I, and I think you, you said the big thing there, too, of, of uh, players' responsibility to say, hey, you know, this is going a direction. Um, and, again, dealing with adults. And, and so it can be awkward that one there, but I think they've got a good system of just saying this is no different than, you know, if you have a thing with chewing and I'm smacking my gum, don't sit there and suffer. Just say, hey, uh, I've got a thing, you know, whatever, you know, it, it drives me crazy. It's nails on a chalkboard, whatever. And I can be an adult as well, like, didn't even realize I was smacking my gum or I didn't realize I was chewing loud. I apologize. You know, those are just those little things of this is along those lines of like, you know, hey, like this is going someplace I don't like. Please, you know. And I think if you don't give people an avenue and let them know that that's okay, a lot of people will just be like, I don't want to ruin the fun. Or you if know, you're new, like, you're like, right. is this what it's supposed you're, to be? And then you just don't show up. Right. Again. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. We're just. Dungeons and Dragons is just about sexual assault. Okay, I guess I'm never gonna play again. You know, it's like no, you had a bet, you had a very bad experience at an adventure league table that should not be running games. 
Right. So Aiden and I had this discussion. We were talking specifically about White Wolf games. I shouldn't say White Wolf. We should say World of Darkness. Um, we were talking about World of Darkness games. And some of the things that he was saying, because he's running a V20 game right now with some of his friends, and they are getting into some heavier stuff, right? And he's had a couple times where a player has gotten up and left. And they had an understanding that if things got heavier than what they wanted to deal with, it was an, you know kind of an open door. Go ahead and leave. You know, Aiden did a good job of telling his players, guys, this is what the story is going to deal with. Here's the horrors that we're going to be dealing with. If at any point you don't like it, you can get up and leave. You will not. You know, there's no harm, no foul kind of thing. Um, but that's how the story is going to progress. You have a choice right now if you want to play in this story or if you don't. And that's fine. And I think we have done a good job as we've grown together as a group that plays. We have done a good job of further uh, communicating those things like and I know there's been plenty of times where I've stopped a game and said are we okay yeah and checked in with you guys because there's been times where just the role playing alone has had me going what the fuck is going on as the DM and I'm like stop hold on and then you all start laughing and I'm like what what the yeah. hell um, but I think w w some of the things that kind of gets me is that when, when we're talking about Adventure League, like one of the things they say is like if you have the chance to visit with the players online before the game, you should still have a 15 minute conversation at the table. If you don't, you should have a 30 minute conversation. That's a lot of time to sit there and, and go over that. And and I think that needs to be like, you guys should go back and listen to that that bite size gaming podcast where the guys are talking about it because they actually spend quite a bit of time of expressing frustrations about some of the stuff that Wizards has done, as well as saying, you know, why it's a good idea. And I think Nolan pegged it when he said you go back to a session zero, which is what I think they're trying to kind of trying to do. We all know when you guys sit down at my table to play a game, if we're going to play World of Darkness, you know you're going to deal with heavier stuff. And I think we do a pretty good job of, I know a pretty good job. I don't mess with like, and this is something that I don't understand why anybody would. I don't like to do anything with sexual assault and children because no one will leave the table. And I know that in a heart. And, then, and there's other things that I know that if I do, you guys are going to get up and leave. If I deal with, and I don't know why we would, I think there's a way to deal with like sexual assault in a game without me having to paint the picture for you. I can paint yeah. the picture in such a way that you guys know that it happened without me going into any detail. And I think that's that to me is where horror comes in. That's horror, whereas the other is terror. There's a difference. Like Saw is terror, right? Saw is, okay, we broke a bone just to break a bone. We cut off a leg just to cut off a leg so you can see the gore. Yeah. Whereas horror is more psychological. It gets in your head. It fucks with you a little bit, right? It draws upon that innate fear that you have. I think D&D, &D, Wizards of the Coast, dips their toe in horror. But no further, because they're trying to cater to a whole group of people who, if you go too far into horror and you do something they don't like, well, fuck it. They're just going to say protest D&D. Well, and I think it's what you what what we play the game for. Um, for me, Dungeons and Dragons is always about being the hero of a story and getting some magical items and gaining in power and, you know, doing things that you never are able to do in real life or by fate of the dice have some epic moments whereas like with vampire you're you know it's less about combat it's less about this stuff it's more about a struggle and and so now all of a sudden it's like you've got this kind of branch of pulling a little bit of this in it's like well i just kind of want to be the fighter that gets a cursed weapon and tries to save the world you know like I'm, I'm cool with playing the king arthur story um this is a little different now you know this is this is not what i thought i was getting into so it, you you do have to kind of hold it with baby baby hands there I will say with this whole kit with the Miss Hunters, 
I we, we kind of talked about that a little bit of like having a boat that lets you hop from realm to realm or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I think it's really cool the way that they're doing this with these mist hunters that travel through so you can see the different planes. Um, as a DM of this stuff too, if you've got a group of people that like, you know, they roll in and it's a science lab and it's like, you know, Frankenstein's bride and it's tripping your people out. Guess what? You wrap up the story, you move on and next place we're going to is ghosts. Um, are we okay with ghosts? You know, we could be scared that way. You know, you know, people have different triggers and, and realm hopping as a mist hunter, seeing this realm of dread is, I, I got really excited about it. I thought it was really cool. So I, I will say, like, I remember years ago when we played in, in Ravenloft, like, there was these kit, these kits that you could build your characters based around. And I don't remember there being a mist hunter thing, but, like, you could build a character whose purpose was to hunt the undead. And, like, my uh, my brother Dom and I had dwarves, brother, uh, basically drawing upon the cleric, canta, uh, cleric canticle, mm-hmm. um, or cleric quintet, sorry. Michael and... Michael. and yeah, uh, drawing on that influence, creating these two dwarves that were undead slayers, and that was their whole purpose. If they heard about like a, a horde of skeletons in a dungeon somewhere, they went in there to hunt them down and destroy them, you know, things like that. So uh, I think that's – I like the idea of the Miss Hunter. And I, I want to go back real quick before we wrap up today and, and just say that the big thing to remember about Adventure League is that typically it is played in an open space where observers – as well as both non and and players are are watching right and and like zach said anybody's going to sit down at your table and it could be first come first serve you don't know and i do think that those kind of things are very important to have in place when it comes to an open game like that that being said if you are someone who is used to running a game and like we have talked multiple times, Nolan and I've talked a lot about downloading all the AL stuff with like, in fact, you did it for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. You sent me all the AL stuff. Being able to play this massive campaign that included not just the book, but all the AL stuff as well to incorporate into it. If you're sitting down with your table and you know things are going to get heavy, I think it's perfectly acceptable to have that conversation. But I think you both nailed it when you said the onus is not just on the DM. It has to be on the players too. Because I could say something and have no idea that I've offended Zach or that I've upset Zach and and do it again and do it repeatedly without knowing that I'm upsetting you. And, and yeah. that's not fair to you and it's not fair to me because now you're just not going to come back and I have no idea why I've upset my friend. So, and you, and you can speak up. Yes. Like absolutely. If, if you speak up at a table, like even if it's a table of randos, if you speak up and they're the kind of people who are just like, if they tell you it's just a joke and they put it on you, like you're wrong for caring. You don't want to play at that table. Absolutely. Like not. people, if you speak up, the people who you want to play with will listen to you. When I think in, in, Honestly, a lot of times stuff happens that we don't know as a DM. Um, you know, you're, you're telling a story, you're wrapped in a story. It has a purpose that's, like, going to pay off five or six. Like, you know, you have that mentality, like, I want you to struggle so you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and not realizing that the struggle is so personal that it's not going to get there, you know. Um, I do I, yeah. I, I do personally struggle when it comes to kids and stuff like that because I, I – I empathize with it so much that it's like, it's too real for me. Like even just like now thinking about it, I get a little emotional. Like, you know, so it's one of those things of like, it's just one of my things. And so I'm going to make it more horrible than Patrick ever can. So he can just say, you know, there's a predator feeding on children or whatever. Like 
doesn't matter. I can't separate the role play. I'm ready to throw down, you know, type situation. So you don't know it. It, it. it might seem like a minor thing, you know, missing kids, you know, or something like that, but you don't know who's at your table. They could be way more personal for somebody that's experienced loss that you don't know. So again, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It could just be like, Hey, listen, you know, I had a thing, it happened. I don't want to be the focus of this thing, but can you glaze over that? Can, can we could just, you know, touch on it, move on, you know, and that, and that's, it's, it's really that simple. So I, yeah. I will say that if we don't play this Miss Hunter thing, I'm going to be disappointed. Just, it looks, all right. It, it looks <laughs> okay. so cool. Uh, I've reading about it. Uh, you know, the, the, the story that the players will be guided through the Miss of Ravenloft and develop facets of their characters at the table. The guided experience is shaped through drawing of cards to the tarot deck. So fate is playing with your characters as, as you create them of, you know, uh, the 14 adventures you have a beginning middle end designed for smaller tables for the the idea of role play and exploration and social interaction because if you're going through hell you might as well go through it with your friends because that makes it such a better experience um i don't know it it, it it's hitting on a lot of those things that i was really excited about when i saw the ravenloft thing of wanting an adventure there mm-hmm. and not knowing how to do it um so yeah <clears throat> and again the the adventure league thing is is very much they, they've said uh we're keeping within the PG 13, whereas yeah. White Wolf is most of the time a hard R. Rated R. Yeah. Yeah. A hard R at that. Yep. I I think the problem with horror, especially in Dungeons and Dragons, is that horror is about powerlessness. It is the feeling of being hunted in the dark by a predator that you cannot see and you cannot fight. Like it's I think that is the I think that is the aggregate human experience. If you bottled up every single experience that every single human being has ever had and you like distilled it down to the most common one, that's it. Alone in the dark. And yeah, you can't have that in Dungeons and Dragons because the whole point is like to be powerful. And so, and don't separate the party. Don't separate the party. Don't be alone. You hunt the hunters, right? You know, so that's that's the goal. You're supposed to be a hero. And and so, the best that they can do is war horror, where the things that are going on are so terrible and so extreme that your characters cannot handle it. Well, and I think that's like, well, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. And then you could do survival horror. And because survival horror is about like the transition between the two, where you go from being extremely powerful and then you run out of shotgun shells and now you can't deal with anything at all. Like the, if you've played Resident Evil, you understand, like once you're out of bullets, you're done. Well, I think we've seen so different I, areas of that, too. Like I, I think of Waterdeep when the fireball went off. Um yeah we we couldn't do it you know what i mean like it was just such a, a thing and i think our characters were all like fly by night we didn't care we had our tavern or whatever and then all of a sudden it became personal and and it was one of those things of like you said that that moment of helplessness like we can't you can't do anything and and i think all of us were you just like it. we're on for revenge now you know what i mean like that was the, yeah. the emotion that sparked and so i think that's interesting there are there are things that you can do that motivate in a healthy way of just uh powerlessness um we, we've seen a few things with uh, with uh, uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden where there are situations where it's just like, what is, you know, like what is happening? I feel like we've been hunted a few times by things that haven't been there. Um, you know, they've done a good job of like when you guys were, when the, the Druid was hunting us and we're like out, you know, we're having a, 
it's hunting us, toying with us. We're following tracks. It's disappearing or whatever. It's like, we know this thing can kill us if it gets to drop on us, you know? So there's some of those fears there, uh, but I don't, anyway, I'm it's excited just, for this. One. I think it's what just, I think it's just too hard to do, but it's very easy with the world of darkness to well, just be like, you're like, it doesn't matter what you can do. It doesn't matter what you can do. If you're caught outside and it's 7 a.m., you're dead. Yeah. And the people around you are, you can't trust any of them ever because yeah, they're all selfish. Towards their own. Yep. And they will all do anything it takes to survive. Like even the people that you trust most, your kith and kin, you can't trust them at all. It's like, I completely agree. I think it's just hard to do in Dungeons and Dragons without just being like, oh, like I couldn't, we couldn't beat this enemy. Like, well, then we didn't lose because we couldn't win. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a different expectation when you sit down at the table, and that causes different feelings when things come out. Like, right. in, in, in World of, in, like, the, war, uh, the Warhammer tabletop RPGs, like, if someone rolls double ones, like, you lose an arm. Like, the enemy rolled, like, doubles on their D100, it's like, oh, well, that's a crit, and now I'm going to roll the crit table. It's like, well, you've lost an arm, and it's like, well, those are the rules. Like, I accepted to play with that. Like, if your DM at, you're playing a 5th edition game, and your dungeon master's like, well, I rolled a 20, I'm going to roll on the crit table. It's like, oh, well, you lost an arm, and now you can't use a two-handed sword. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, no one will pack up a shit and go home at that point. I'd, I'd be like, well, I'm really glad I, I made a... Uh, I'll just be a nerd and swing with my feet. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Save my one hand for playing my loot. <laughs> okay, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up because we have gone longer than we intended, and I know no one's got to get going. So yeah, lots of stuff came out this week for D&D Live. I do encourage everybody to take a look at the D&D website because there's tons and tons of stuff on there for you to check out. New products, new games, new adventures, and as well as uh, I'll include the links to the Yawning Portal site so you guys can check out the article about the Mist Hunters and see what's going on there because there is some fascinating stuff coming out. Uh, as well and i do think the miss hunters would be a fun campaign setting to play in but that puts us right back in stradland nolan and you love that place right i i'm excited to see the other areas we could just skip yeah Yep, yeah, that's fair okay guys before we wrap up do we have anything else i will say that i did stumble across a uh, fifth edition for world of warcraft that was a fan-made thing that i'm gonna send you guys it is phenomenal it is yeah. it is fantastic. So anyway, I'll send that to you guys. And if you get a chance, it's out there. It's called Champions of Azeroth Five uh, E. Um, okay. And if it doesn't it doesn't have a three hundred dollar price tag? It's a hundred nine pages, and this dude banged it out. Uh, and it it looks fantastic. If you've played the game, you'll recognize the classes are in it. It's uh, the races are in it. Alliance and Horde, and, and what you do. It, it's so fun to look at. I would actually like. I it would also be fun to play. So anyway, that's my closing thoughts. Check that out. Okay. Zach, anything else before we close? Uh, stay safe out there. Stay, stay safe out there. Stay indoors. Don't get caught outside at noon. 
Yeah, no kidding. Well, that is going to be our show for this week, guys. Sorry we didn't touch on the Changeling stuff like we wanted to. We will circle back to that next week and wrap up our month, our July of Changeling. And then we'll look to do more something else in August. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but we'll get it figured out. Thank you, every- thank you everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. What's up, everybody? <laughs>